Welcome to the final hour of the gate, at least for the week. We'll be back on Monday. Don't worry. Oh, I hope we are. Nothing's guaranteed in this world. That is something hey. that we. Yeah, it's an absolute truth, and there's hey. not a lot of them. But uh, positive. A truth that I certainly know is uh, the inclusion of Chris Thomas on our program. This is one of my favorite segments that we do during the week. He joins us now. If you're unfamiliar with Chris's work, uh, sports performance development, mental coach, life coach, motivational speaker for Fusion Odyssey, and oh yeah, he uh, won a Super Bowl back in the day with the Rams and played in the league for quite a few years. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. How are you today? Lindsay, I'm doing awesome. And you? Oh, you know, living that life and uh, trying to trying to deal with some of some uncertainty. I, I, that's a fact of life. I, I feel like we all have to confront at any given moment uh, of our existence. And we tend to build structures or find distractions to help us cope, Chris. But how would you advise someone like Justin Fields or really anyone that has a lot on the line on answers that they don't know yet and are dealing with the waiting? Yeah, that's that sucks, right? Because it's his future, it's his life. You know, I think that it's always challenging when you believe in yourself and you, you believe by action someone else could be saying that they don't, right? Um, that's a really tough blow to your ego. And I'm not saying he has ego, but if you could imagine, like, you spent your whole life building up this sense of self, this game, it's led you to you know, all these possibilities, all these accolades, you know, you're, you're the starting quarterback for a franchise and your first-round draft pick and all these dreams are being achieved. And then now everyone's talking about how you might not be the guy and they may be going a different direction. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing to swallow. I think as much as the uncertainty, that's a tough thing to swallow um, because you have to be introspective then. You're like going, okay, well, well, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that they don't believe in, right? And, and oftentimes when – all you've gotten is patted on the back, you know, you're not used to having to be that introspective um, about yourself and about your game. So I think that's probably part of it. But, yeah, the uncertainty, he's, he's already expressed how he loves Chicago. So it's, it's always a tough thing emotionally because he clearly wants to, you know, finish his business there. He probably feels like he hasn't really proven what he wanted to prove in Chicago when they drafted him. And that's tough from that perspective, right, if you're a competitor – you never want to leave someplace where you feel like you left unfinished business. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's disruptive because you don't know what's happening next in your life. And, and I think again, probably most disruptive is the, the conversations out there that are suggesting that they probably need to go another direction, that Justin Fields isn't going to be there. And so you just got to turn off the noise. Like anything else in life, if, if it's not within your control, then if you believe in higher power and a higher power and you believe that you will be where you're supposed to be, then you just trust that if you're not there, that, you know, the next stop in my journey is exactly where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to be exactly who I am. And hopefully for them, like, that's enough. So I, I think you just really have to turn off the noise, which I think he did in, in turning off social media. We're talking to former NFL and Super Bowl champion Chris Thomas. And, and I've talked a lot uh, about this subject when I go on, you know, radio shows and and whatever it is that that I do, and get asked that question about uh, Justin Fields. And and Chris, am I um, oversimplifying it to to also suggest that the Bears liking Caleb Williams uh, maybe a little bit more than um, you know than, than Justin Fields doesn't also mean that Justin Fields is hot, hot garbage? And I go back to the, the the decision that the Rams had with with uh, Jared Goff 
when a better quarterback in their eyes became available in Matthew Stafford, they wanted to improve at quarterback with Matthew Stafford. But that doesn't mean that they hated or that Jared Goff was hot garbage. And while it was a little bit of a blow to to Jared's ego, and maybe it will be to uh, to Justin Fields' ego, it doesn't mean that they're not a good player or can't have a bright future. It's just that that team just decided that they they could get a little bit better, or maybe just let's just say a little bit better with the other option. Yeah, and, and especially when you're looking at a franchise that really has fallen off the map, right? Like they haven't had a winning season. I'm sorry, a, a really successful stretch here for a long period of time. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're looking at the long term right now because you have to. When you got the first pick of the draft, I mean, that pick is a pick that you're looking out in the future with, right? Like what is this going to mean to our franchise? And could it mean something more than the people we have here currently? Right, in terms of what they can bring and what they can do. And you don't get that picked that often and they're in a you know, interesting position in that they've been there a couple times now mm-hmm. in a row. But um yeah, I think I don't know that it's ever about saying you're terrible, you're not good enough. I mean, listen, sometimes that is, but I don't think in his case they're saying that. They're just evaluating, you know, is he the guy that's gonna turn this franchise around? And if we're wrong and and let's just say that we, we say we're just going to trust Justin Fields as a guy. If we're wrong, you know, how is that going to be perceived, right? Like, what is, you know, who's accountable to that? Because we're always going to look back and be like, we had the chance to get what we thought could have been a franchise quarterback. Right. And God forbid, you know, they don't get Caleb Williams. Not that I'm saying they should, but let's just mm-hmm. hypothetically say they don't get Caleb Williams. And then he turns into C.J. Stroud in year one. You know, right. every guy in that organization is going to be like, you know, we blew it. You know, right. We should have we should have you know pulled the trigger and gone that route. And and if Justin Fields doesn't live up to what they hoped he would be, then you know they'll be kicking themselves forever, and it's probably going to have a longer term effect on their organization. So, yeah, I mean, by no means do I think they're saying he's bad because I think Ryan Poles actually said, "Hey, he he improved, mm-hmm. and uh, we think he's a good player. We think he could lead this organization." But you know, that's a generic statement because what does that mean? Right. Lead him where? Right. Um, and he knows that. He's playing that game, so he knows that. But, yeah, I think and if you're Justin, you know, that if, if he is who I think he is, that will serve as motivation yeah. for him. If, in fact, they choose to go a different direction, I think that he's going to use that as a, as a healthy chip on his shoulder to be like, okay, well, I can't wait for this next stop because they're getting a guy who is going to be relentless in proving, like, everybody wrong who said that I couldn't carry the Bears to, you know, the promised land. So, yeah, I agree with you that I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of him. It's just saying, hey, I got a chance to get a nine on a Richter scale of one yeah. to ten. You're a seven or a six. I dig on you, but it's, you know, I got a better option here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's in essence what they're saying. Chris Thomas here with us on the morning tailgate. DM him at Fusion Odyssey and get the link to his video series, The Gateway to Unlocking Your Mental Game. Fusion Odyssey on social media. You know, we talked this week about J.J. McCarthy when he's speaking about, you know, uh, game-changing quarterbacks. A lot of people are going to f- try to find that in the draft. And McCarthy coming out of Michigan, he has a ritual of meditation, as to, he calls it, to find the right headspace. What does that tell you about an athlete, 20, 21 years old, who's actively pursuing, you know, healthy ways to dealing with the pressure and the outside noise? That he's, you know, forward-thinking, right? Because I think a lot of athletes wouldn't be that disciplined, actually, to commit to doing the things necessary to, you know, enhance their ability to perform at the level that they want. Okay. 
Um, and I think it says a lot about him for sure that he's mature enough to do that. And clearly whatever ritual he's adopted has bred success for him. And that is the quickest way to commit to something is seeing the results, right? And it just becomes a standard ritual for you. Once you understand, as you look at the evidence, that the evidence is telling you if you do X, then Y will happen, then, you know, it's easy. It should be easy to commit to that. So I think as a 21-year-old, very, very mature. I think he's absolutely on track, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, you have to be, you have to be cerebral to an extent. I mean, you really have to be balanced. You have to be, you have to be, you know, what? I mean, I guess emotionally balanced more than just, you know, mm-hmm. spiritually balanced. You have to be emotionally balanced because not everything's going to go your way. You're going to have incompletions. You're going to throw picks. You're going to wish you had a throwback, like whatever, and you have to be balanced about it because if you're not balanced about it, then it could affect what happens next. And at that position on offense, I mean, you're involved in every single play. So, you know, I think it's such a mature thing for him. Um, And I think if you look again at the best quarterbacks in the NFL, all of them are balanced, all of them, whether they do meditation or not, they're balanced. And the reason that they're superstars is because they don't get caught up with what happened. They're just looking forward and, you know, what they want to do better and trusting their ability to actually do that. So now I'm super impressed because not a lot of people would do that, but there's a lot in what he's actually doing for sure. Yeah, it's fascinating because you're absolutely right in terms of the necessity for balance, but I would even say like that level of balance is unnatural. And so like you have to work at achieve, at, at, at those skills to be able to find that within yourself. And not all of us are regulated the same way. And so uh, kudos to him and, and the example that he sets. Again, we're talking to Chris Thomas, uh, a great life coach, motivational speaker, will work with you all the way down to your bat speed with the mm. with the with a pipe, right? Anything to get you better uh, with Fusion Odyssey, that's what he does. And I think that you're an incredibly self-aware person. And that's what makes you great and, and what's helped you achieve what you've accomplished. But we all have blind spots. So where do you most often find yours? Oh, man. That's a really good question, Lindsay. I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. Because um, I am very aware, right? And, and so... I'm not sure what really, you know, I can't see or what catches me by surprise. Almost nothing does. Um, I've, I've been through too much. You know, if you would have asked me that 15 years ago, I could have told you, you know, two or three things. But I, I'm so aware, and I just had this conversation speaking to a softball program, um, a high school softball program, that I, I'm so aware of the inconsistencies in life. I'm so aware how life feels sometimes like it's unjust. Something's being done to you, not for you. Um, I'm so aware that everything I want is not necessarily aligned to what's going to happen. Um, so when all those things take place in my life, it, it's not disruptive at all. It, does that make sense? It's like, yep. um, I, I've accepted that like a, a long time ago. Um, and I use that word acceptance when I was speaking with the softball team that, Again, I'm going to say it again. I mean, I said it last week, but our inability to accept truth and reality is what creates the most disruption in our lives. Um, and if we just could accept certain truths and realities, then we could let these delusions go and we could focus our energy and attention on the life we actually want, the experiences we actually want. But we get so caught up with wanting to control things that are not within our control and that's where the disruption is, is bred. So um, I would tell you that I'm not, I'm not blindsided by anything. I'm not, 
I'm not ignorant to anything. I pretty much have had way too much going on in my life that was so not aligned with what I anticipated, what I'd hoped for, what I wanted, what I thought I was preparing for. So when it doesn't happen, I mean, that's probably one of my greatest strengths is I'm not really saved by it at this point in my life. 15 yep. years ago? Yeah. 20 years ago? Yeah. But not today. Yeah, that's a good place to be, uh, Chris Thomas. And we are talking to Chris Thomas, former NFL player, former Super Bowl uh, champion with the Rams. And, Chris, there's a whole bunch of uh, college uh, football prospects, over 300 of them, that are going to uh, descend on Indianapolis uh, this week uh, to put their best foot forward in terms of proving why they deserve to be drafted in the NFL and, in certain cases, first-round picks, second-round picks. Um, what level of anxiety uh, are, are these guys going through? And as somebody that has prepared people to take that next step in their athletic career uh, or maybe you know prepare people to be uh, in this kind of an audition, maybe it's baseball, maybe it's soccer, uh, what, what would be your advice uh, to these kids to kind of settle them down and, and just go enjoy the moment, compete, uh, and not make it uh, bigger than what it is? I think recognizing that Two other things come into play other than the combine. And by the way, I'm jealous because I never got a chance to yeah. go to the combine. I, I really, I really felt like I needed to go to the combine uh, because I got hurt and missed virtually all of my senior season. Right. So I was begging, like whoever I could find that could possibly get me into the combine. I thought this is the only way I'm going to have a chance to make it mm. to the league, and it, it never happened. Um, so I thought it was over for me, um, and I was in a very different place. So I'm very jealous. I, I definitely wanted to get a chance to go to the combine, but. I would tell you that it's really two, two things that I think could ease the anxiety level that you have at the combine, and that is, one, part of the reason you're there is because of your body of work. Yeah. Right? Like, your body of work has made people believe that you are of the caliber of the top 300 guys, and that puts you in potentially a position to get drafted, which I'm imagining is the dream. Now, once you're there, you have a chance to change that perception or – your possibilities by doing really well, but if you've prepared, as with anything, to run good 40 times and work on your vertical and, and everything else, then you're going to go there and do whatever you possibly can at the best version you can. So you should have the confidence in knowing with, through that rehearsal that you're going to be able to perform well um, and just trust it, right? And, and truth be told, no one's really perfect there. Occasionally you have that one guy who just steals the show, but no one's really perfect across the board there. There's always something you wish that you could do better. Um, but you just got to, you know, go there and trust that the preparation that you put in. as with anything. And I think that's a great lead-in to the NFL. Like, when you go play in the NFL, like, you got to trust the preparation. If you're out there on an island as a DB and you're second-guessing yourself or whether or not you know what to do, you're done, right? Like, good luck if you're facing D.K. Metcalf or, you know, Tyreek Hill or whoever else. So I think it's a great lead-in to that. The other thing is that, um, outside of the combine, virtually every single guy who's there is also going to have a pro day. So you and I both know, VB, there have been guys who have not had great combine or a great combine, and then they turn around and have a great pro day, yeah. and everyone forgets yeah. about the combine. Right? So it's not the end-all, be-all. Certainly you want to do well there because there have been plenty of guys who killed it there that have completely changed their draft status. Mm -hmm. But two other factors come into play, your body of work and your pro day. So if anything didn't work out, then as with anything in life, you should be learning from it so you can prepare to be better come pro day. So I think I would look at it like that if it were me going there, like, hey, I'm just going to go here and just fill out as best as I can, and hopefully that's exactly what I prepared to do. And if it wasn't, I need to go back to the drawing board to figure out what I need to change prior to my pro day. 
Chris Thomas, Fusion Odyssey Morning Tailgate here on a Friday. Then take us back to that moment when, you know, after your senior season in college, the young Chris Thomas. What was your mindset when you watched other players head to the combine? I mean, did you feel at the time they held a certain advantage of making an NFL roster over you? And I know you. What did you do to combat that? Because I know that's probably a very uh, multiple answer question. Oh, yeah. Well, I, there's no doubt. I was like, I'm invisible. Like, I was invisible for my whole season. So they had an advantage over me because they could play their year, and I missed virtually all of mine. And now they get a chance to go be in front of all these NFL scouts and perform again, you know, in front of them. So I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with that. I mean, I, it's done for me. Like, it's, there's no chance that I'm going to get a chance to play in, in the league right now. Or I knew I was going to get drafted mm-hmm. at that point. I, I was hoping and praying that I would actually get, you know, picked up as a free agent. But, yeah, it was, it was a really hard thing for me because I really didn't understand how the NFL worked. I didn't understand, you know, how my own personal workouts, like how that was interpreted and what that would mean okay. um, in terms of my personal workout versus me having been at the combine in front of all these people and if they perceived that differently. I mean, I had no idea. I was so in the dark. Um, but I had so much anxiousness about what was going to happen because I thought it was all done to me. And to this day, I still don't get it. I mean, I had poor workouts. Let me rephrase that. I had I had mediocre workouts across the board when I had my private workouts. I think I mentioned in a previous um, show that I'd quit one of my NFL workouts um, out of pure frustration about what I was going through. Um, but ironically, of the five teams that wanted to sign me as a free agent, there was only one that actually worked me out, which makes, to this day, I have no idea how that worked. Um, and maybe that was a blessing, right, because I didn't have great workouts. So maybe that actually worked out well for me, wow. that they just paid attention to what I did my junior year because they literally did not come work me out, um, never talked to them once. And it was the Saints, the Cardinals, the, the Bills, and the Chargers. None of those organizations worked me out. All of them offered me a free agent spot. The Chiefs were the only ones who actually worked me out. Hey, maybe subconsciously that's why I was rooting for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. But um, they're the only ones that worked me out that actually wanted to sign me. Um, and ironically, it's funny, when I actually signed with the Rams, um, one of the guys who was a scout for the Chiefs at the time, his name um, escapes me right now, but he was there and uh, he was with the Rams. And, and when he saw me and heard my name and, and we introduced ourselves, he goes, I remember you and working you out and, and you came and you went to this junior college and worked out. And, and I thought to myself, this guy really has a chance to make this team. And then he didn't sign with us. And I was wow. thinking, oh, man, why didn't I choose the Chiefs <laughs> instead of the Chargers? But anyway, you know, I was where I was supposed to be. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very unsettling when you know that <clears throat> your dream hinges on what everyone else thinks about you, and yet you're not able to perform in front of those people on a bigger stage. I, I pretty much thought it was done. So I will tell you, yeah, it, it's, it's very unsettling. Um, but all you can do is do your best, and, and you know, they're going to decide what they want to do with that information. And that's pretty much what I tell everyone. Like, you know, you don't control that. So all you can do is prepare and then trust the preparation and go do your best and let everyone else decide what they want to do with that info. Chris, uh, I'm not particularly an angry person, but I come into contact with rage a lot. 
And and one of the things that has really ticked me off, and I found this on TikTok because, of course, but uh, there's been a, a viral video uh, in the last couple of days where there's a professional female golfer at a driving range. And this dude comes up to her and talks to her and is giving her all this unsolicited advice, telling her all these things and takes credit for these shots that she's making. This girl's a, a, a PGA professional tour golfer. And so I wanted to talk to you about the concept of entitlement, because that's that's a mansplaining thing. That's a buzzword thing. But there's there's people that feel entitled to take your time, take your space, interject when they haven't been invited to. I'm curious about what you think the origins are for that and how you begin unraveling a little bit of an entitlement complex. Because I feel like if you have any sort of privilege in your life, there's going to be that in there and it's your job to go in there, confront it, and then hopefully create some better habits so you can be a better person out in the world for other people. Yeah, was was that legit, Lindsay, on TikTok? Like, he was yeah, being yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, no, wow, it, it, it's that, it's step crazy. by step, and I'll I'll send it to you because it's it's I just I can't get over it, and I come into contact with people like this all the time, but I'm well, I'm just well, curious what what your thoughts are about the psychology well, of it. Well, clearly, clearly, you're dealing with a narcissist, right? Because no no one does that, right? Like unsolicited and uninvited, because all of us who you know, have any sort of common sense, have an awareness of, like, boundaries, right? And there'd be ways to approach that and have someone invite you in to potentially give them information that that they were interested in, not you unsolicited, you know, giving them information in their face and then wanting to take credit for what they did. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for a narcissist, which, again, I believe 100% that's who you're describing because only a narcissist would do something like that, I think it's humility. It's, it's being humbled. You know what I mean? Like having, having to be humbled and realize that whatever you think of yourself may not be what everybody thinks of you. And, you know, this is where, you know, your perception of yourself and being introspective is important. Because it's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be arrogant. Um, it's another thing to be narcissistic, right? It's another thing to self-love, right? They're all different things. And self-love is not associated necessarily with narcissism. Narcissism. Um, it's not associated with being cocky, right? Like self-love is just like me saying, you know, I love who I am. And if, if you invite me in, I think that you're going to view me as an asset in your life. Like, but you get the choice to do that. Like, I'm not going to throw myself into your space uninvited and then expect you to celebrate me the way I celebrate me. Like, mm-hmm. that's just ignorant. And, and unfortunately, I think for anyone who is that person, it, it, it takes them being humbled in some way and rejected in some way for them to realize, like, this isn't how the world functions. Like, the world doesn't care necessarily about how you feel about yourself in terms of what you think I should feel about you. Um, so I think humility, you know, someone being humbled is, is really, really important um, because only through humility do you become introspective. And, and even then, Lindsay, you know, like I even then some people – that won't that won't matter to them. I mean, they're so mm-hmm. tied up and, and so in their own world and so self-absorbed that, that that still might not motivate them to be introspective. And it might take a few, you know, different times. Is someone really just, you know, coming unhinged on them and being like, I'm going to just blow you up right now and put you in your place. And, and hey, sometimes that's the right thing to do to somebody who, who doesn't understand boundaries, right, and, and doesn't understand, like, what's appropriate and what's not um, and thinks too highly of themselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm again, I'm a very relaxed, chill person, but yeah, I mean, I, 
if if you were that person and you were in my face and and, and you were you know crossing lines and and mm-hmm. in my in my boundary you know area, I would probably have something to say about that 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 wouldn't be that pleasant. <laughs> I would tell him to go like save to lives somewhere else because clearly it's that important to to get the, my golf swing or her golf swing all figured <laughs> out. But that's the thing, though, Chris, is that I would like to say that, but that creates a safety issue for me and, and, and other women. Yeah. And so that's where it's like we just sit there and take it. It's like, oh, and accept it. Like, accept it. It's just the way that it is. And that's where it's like, well, there it could be a narcissistic narcissist, but I think a lot of people have narcissistic traits because that's what our society is is literally gunning for. Like, that's, that's what it's incentivized. Don Mattingly one, t- one time told me, I know Chris knows who Don Mattingly is, uh, he, he's like, I'd go into a slump and the doorman at my apartment complex would be giving me batting tips. I'm like, dude, are you freaking yeah, like kidding me right now? Yeah, exactly. Like, like I'm, 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 right, I'm in a slump. I'll get out of it. I don't need my doorman to be giving me swing tips right now. So, yeah. This is what I mean. Like, I think part of it, too, is just all of us want to feel like we're relevant to somebody True. else. I've said this forever. True. I have a video theories about this like everyone wants to be relevant mm-hmm. you know and it's true but that can be an ignorant thing as well yeah. right like how you go about attempting to be relevant and i think Lindsay, you're right for women it could be you know dangerous to, to say something potentially sadly but i think the loudest thing you could say is just a look right when someone's like crossing a line it's just that look that all of us know says everything that needs to be said. I wish um, nonverbal communication yeah. got through that way because sometimes the lasers are out and they're just like, we want a hug. And I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> be hugging You're a being nice off. to me. You must be in love. I'm like, no, not yeah. at all. <laughs> you, you and I, you and I need to get together and, and we'll, we'll find a scenario like that. And, mm-hmm. and I'll show you the, the laser eyes and I'll show you. the okay. response. <laughs> and, uh, I think we'll carry some weight behind it, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, and, and I'm the, I'm again, I'm the kind of person who I would say something very uh, cynical to somebody. You know, I might not say something super in your face abrasive, but I would say something very cynical. Like, you know what? It, it's crazy how like I've never learned the things that you're talking to me about, <laughs> yeah. and somehow I found the PGA Tour or you know, the, the, whatever. Like, it's crazy how I could make it. And yet, I'm just finding you right now. Right. Like, amazing that you could have you been all my life. Yeah, like, dear God, like, thank God I found you. Like, I would say, I'm the type of guy who would say something cynical like that. You know what I mean? And and start there. And and I hate that I'd even be that person, but when someone crosses boundaries, it's like, okay, well, now they need to understand that there's been a violation in, in my space, you know, emotionally, spiritually literally like and now i need because they're not getting it now i'm going to draw a line that hopefully they get and if this doesn't do it then i'm going to think of a plan b right like i'm just not i'm not a fan of people who who don't offer themselves in a really positive light to other people like that's not offering yourself in a positive light right like that's just thrusting yourself into somebody's space because you think highly of yourself and therefore you think i should too you know what i mean it's like, mm-hmm. but the world doesn't work that way Right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, if, and if I'm gone Mattingly and the doorman starts, right. And I, and I just, I'm on a one for 22 slump. Like, trust me, the last thing I want to hear is you telling me what I should be doing <laughs> when I'm walking in the door. Right. Like I'm going to stop you dead in your tracks. Like, it's like, you're like, Hey Don, maybe like, I'll tell you what the maybe should be. Maybe you shouldn't give me advice. <laughs> maybe you should open the door for me right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do your like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like, here's the, yeah, exactly. 
let me give you advice on how you open the door oh. when I'm watching you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I mean, I would, I'm, I'm a cynical guy potentially if, if you're the wrong, you know, personality with me, but I'm also just a lighthearted joking guy. Yeah. So I'm the first one to clown. And if, if that requires me to clown somebody because they've crossed the line, like I, I won't hesitate. Like that's, that's my, that's my AK 47 is clowning, you know, it's Chris Thomas here with us on the Morning Tailgate. Fusion Odyssey, find it on social media, and you can DM Chris for the ability and links to get on social media about his video series, The Gateway to Unlocking Your Mental Game. He also has a number that you can text him, 805-663-8483, 805-663-8483, and you can get a chance to maybe even get a private consultation with Chris because, as you can tell by his words, he's an existentialist. He has experienced things, and he makes sure that he d- deserves and, and puts his uh, name out there for being a life coach, a performance development mentor filled with some sarcasm and laser eye focus. Hey, man, <laughs> it's awesome having you on, Chris. Thank you again for your time. Let's do it again next week. You got it. I appreciate you guys. Lindsay, hold hold strong. Well, we're okay. trying. It's just another day in paradise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. All right, thank you. Chris Thomas here with us, Fusion Odyssey. we got to take a break. A lot to unpack here. We'll come back on the other side and read some text and get some thoughts on rage. It's all part of your morning tailgate. Now back to the morning tailgate. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. And one thing that makes a party better is more money. And thanks to Lowe's Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio, you have a chance to hit the jackpot every Monday through Friday. You could win $2,024. All you got to do is listen for the Daily Code that I will give away in just a few seconds and text it to 702-365-9200 to register. This contest only runs from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. So if you text us outside of those hours, they do not count. But again, listen to Raider Nation Radio. That's the morning tailgate, JT the Rick or unnecessary roughness to get that code, and you could hit the jackpot for $2,024. All thanks to Lois Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. Today's code, Bugsy, B-U-G-S-Y. Text that to 702-365-9200 for a chance to win that money. 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 And Joel from Queens uh, sending in some interesting text earlier when we get into the, the volleyball conversation of the rule changes. I don't know if that's the same Joel. I think we have multiple Joels. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, but, but we know that it is a Joel. And that he was very pumped about our volleyball coverage this morning. And and I'm sure he's just as enraged because uh, I know that his daughter plays and is actively playing right now against Boise State somewhere. And so uh, that, that two-hit rule that the NCAA has now implemented into women's volleyball that makes no logical sense. And I have not done my due diligence to deep dive why uh, it is not my community. I hope that I will find information when I, when I go seek it out. But I, I don't get it. It just seems like you're diminishing the product and, and inviting in mediocrity. It's 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 strange when you try to change the fundamentals and just one fell swoop without any sort of gradual progression towards it mm-hmm. or a reason why for everyone else. And you're right, it's Raider Jay in Monterey, yeah. uh, whose uh, daughter is in Arizona uh, going up against Boise State. He's like, oh, yeah. she just Both sent her partner for a monster hit right now. Exactly what you were talking about on air as we speak at 8.16 a.m. Volleyball rules! Yes. You're going to hate this, I love it, Jay. What? What is it? <laughs> the, uh, the chair of the committee... Mm-hmm. Her name is Lindsay. Lindsay so she, how does she spell it? Lindsay uh, Oates, um, L-Y-N-D. No, dead. So, she's yeah, not that, one well, of us. She's certainly not. So her, her quote dead giveaway. Was, Went wrong part, from birth. That part of the discussion that maybe we can be a little bit more well-rounded and not specialized so early, Oates said. Kids who don't have good hands early when they are learning the sport are pushed away pretty quickly because a whistle is going to blow every time in a game. So, yeah, that oh. may trickle down and allow more people to learn to set early in their careers 
and not specialize so oh, okay, early. Okay, to open up the game to just yeah. whatever. Okay. You know, because, no. it's, right. because it's one of the true skill positions in our game. You know, I think because okay. not every kid learns how to use a hockey stick at the same time, we should just be able to throw the pucks in and kick them. <laughs> but if you want to grow the sport and get more people involved, do you have right. to change the rules why, so why, dramatically? Why even bring like, sticks? Right? Nah, we don't need them. Right, right. We would just get leaf Lindsay blowers. Lindsay with the Y we'll just in the, the wrong spot. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself because you've already you're already wrecking a sport. Keep them coming on the text line 702-365-9200. Of course, the code <laughs> for the day is Bugsy B U G S Y for your chance to win two thousand and twenty four dollars. Back after this here on the morning tailgate. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, when we hear that great introduction, we go out to the Raider Nation Radio guest line and welcome in our good friends from over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. And of course, we're talking about Dr. Robert O'Dell. But before we get to the great doctor, uh, I just want to remind everybody um, that there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope, uh, and it's a predicament that far too many of us are in, but we don't have to be uh, in that jail cell that we deal with uh, each and every day, waking up uh, knowing that it's going to be a painful day and thinking that there's no hope. There is hope, and the Neuropathy and, Pain, Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers that hope because they offer genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how you can live as pain-free a life as possible. The phone number is 702-257-7246. Dr. Odell, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Good to hear that. Uh, and, and Dr. Odell, I wanted to talk about um, uh, hip pain. And um, I bring that up because a friend of mine just got a hip replacement uh, surgery. And uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that everything uh, is, is working out. Uh, so far, uh, so good. Uh, but I got to ask you, um, I'm sure you deal with hip pain and, and patients that have hip pain. How bad does it have to get? What actually has to happen for a hip replacement to come into play? Well, first of all, uh, the cause of the hip pain um, is not always necessarily the hip. Uh, sometimes the pain can be referred from other sources. And, of course, easy way of diagnosing this is just a, actually an x-ray. Because if you have bone-on-bone or severe arthritis, that's a pretty good indication. Um with a with hip, I think the diagnosis is really pretty easy. It's a little bit easier diagnosis than, say, the shoulder joint or some of the other joints, um, just because of the nature of the anatomy. Now, what, 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 um, regarding um, uh, the hip, the hip osteoarthritis, the best treatment is, in fact, um, a total hip replacement. And that is uh, uh, one of the, is the easiest major operation that there is, in my opinion. Total knees hurt way more after treatment. But total hips, the patients, it's like night and day. They walk out of there like two days later. Uh, I think my sister, had, well, she had two total hips. She was hiking uh, two weeks after wow. each one. And I talked to a patient uh, yesterday in my office who was uh, walking around two days afterwards. And I am not a big fan of uh, surgery. You know, we try to do injections and things like that. And, yeah, we could block the hip capsular nerves like we do the knee, you know, interfere with the nerves. You wouldn't have to have that hip replacement. But I try to talk people out of that because it's such a great operation. Uh, very, very good surgeons here do it. The outcomes are outstanding. The infection rate is very low, um, almost non-existent. And uh, it's, um, it's uh, uh, I think, in fact, my father had four total joints, two hips. Cindy's had... Uh, 
uh, two total hips and a, and, a, and, a, and a knee, I think, or maybe it's one hip and two knees. I, I was fortunate in the family to have avoided all that uh, for some reason, but um, I think my other sisters had uh, one total hip, and well, they're all doing great. Well, I want to ask you about that real quick, uh, because I know that you were extremely active, and you played football, um, and, you, and you did a lot of activity, strenuous type of things. I don't know um, if your sisters were uh, equally, um, you know, uh, vibrant in terms of what they did and the physical activity that they did, but it, it, it's, I, I have to ask you as a, as a doctor, um, why is it, and maybe it's just the luck of the, the, the draw, that, that some people that even though they do, ex, uh, you know, extremely strenuous type stuff like play football and play sports uh, can escape that, and others who don't, can't escape that. Yeah, no, I think I think um, part of it is hereditary, but for some reason I was skipped, and I, I don't know why. Now, um, you know the uh, uh, the the, um, uh, the literature may may you know be more specific. You know, in which case, um, you know, maybe more specific. In which case, uh, um, um, uh, you know, some they might say, well, fifty percent of the time it is hereditary, and I. I don't know. I mean, I could look that up if listeners mm-hmm. are interested. Uh, by the way, I'm on, on my way to see my own doctor right now for a little blood pressure action here. But, uh, um, you know, um, the, 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 the total hip operation is such a great operation that it's, it's simply disabled from, from uh, uh, you know, from hip uh, uh, illness, you know, from hip arthritis mm-hmm. is, is really um, almost non-existent. Wow. Again, I do emphasize that with a total knee, total knee replacements are a pain. They hurt like heck afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's why I urge people to come into my office to consider having an ablation of the nerves, uh, to, to consider having an ablation of the nerves so that they can um, they can uh, um, you know could avoid that operation. Right. Okay. So short of uh, hip replacement. Uh, what do you guys over at the Drop of the Pain Center um, of, of Las Vegas offer uh, as, as you know, not necessarily an alternative, uh, but if, it, if it's not that serious, uh, what, what do you guys have, um, you know, in terms of technology and, and treatment uh, to, to deal with, uh, you know, uh, uh, pain, hip pain that doesn't level up to needing a hip replacement? I would have them use UltraCure, that not anti-inflammatory that, I've used in the past that's a natural product, or they can use a standard anti-inflammatory like, a, like an naproxen or something. Keep in mind that anti-inflammatories can do numbers on, on the um, stomach, right, on the platelets, and on the kidneys. So obviously it has to be followed by a doctor. In many ways, narcotics uh, are safer drugs uh, managed properly in low doses than, um, than the uh, anti-inflammatories. However, you know both are both are uh, uh, both are reasonable choices when they're managed by a doctor that is aware of the side effects, as we all are, and the um, patient is monitored with the blood work and and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, you know, for for uh, to, to, for for mild osteoarthritis. Right. Yeah, and uh, the doctor brings up a good point, and I would uh, I would I would stress to everyone out there when you are dealing with you know medication and uh, anti-inflammatory and, and and whatever it is truly listen to the doctor and hopefully you found a doctor that you can trust to find out what the you know potential ramifications are or the side effects or you know the long range uh implications uh, that they can have because uh, i know that it's 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 easy to 
you know, just be just be so excited about maybe the relief it gives you, but there can be some long range uh, type of things to deal with. So so listen to the doctors and listen to Dr. Uh, Odell, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Go online and schedule your appointment at nvpainrelief.com. Thanks for listening today and all week long. You can catch our podcast up online at our site, lvsportsnetwork.com. Like, subscribe, follow on iTunes, Audible, Amazon, Spotify. For Lindsey Brown and for Vinny Bonsignor, I'm Clay Baker. We wish you the best of weekends. Rich Eisen is next. And then a full day of Raider Nation Radio beginning at noon with JT the Brick to Q Myers here on r r 920.